So hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the MotoGP podcast, Last on the Breaks. I'm Fran Wild, as ever, as Matt Dunn always used to say, and I'm joined by <laughs> Elliot York once again, co-hosting this season. Hello Elliot, how are you? Hello Francis, yes, I'm I'm not too bad <laughs> yet. Managed to sneak a day off in yesterday to recover from the weekend. Uh, but yeah, all good. Looking forward to today's podcast and then, well, I was going to say weekend off, but I've not got a weekend off. I'm in Valencia for junior GP action, but yeah, all is good. All is good. We had nice weather in Le Mans, didn't we? So that certainly helped. It did indeed. And we've lined up with the goth outfits today, which is uh, always on point with the branding. Yeah, we did, yeah. Um, and as I'm sure everyone who's joining us will be aware, we have a very special guest today. And after an incredible weekend in France, there was a few high profile boss French people in the paddock now. But uh, one of them has joined us today and has agreed to uh, <laughs> chat to us again, despite the busy weekend. Very good day to you, Hervé. Thank you so much for joining us. Very good day to you too. And uh, thanks for inviting me, having uh, me with you. And uh, always glad to share with you too about uh, what is MotoGP and what MotoGP is going <laughs> to do in the few next few weeks. Well, that is a perfect start off then, because the first thing we wanted to talk to you about, or we should say to anyone who doesn't know, how could you not know? This is a paddock legend, as I introduced you in the VIP village also at the weekend. President of ERTA and boss of the Tech 3 teams, which is currently MotoGP, of course, and Moto3 and Moto-E, Hervé Poncheral. Uh, so yeah, also, obviously, you are French and a bastion of French <laughs> motorsport. And it was an incredible weekend in Le Mans. The crowd is something that everyone's been talking about. How was it for you at home GP, obviously? I know very busy, it has its drawbacks, but it was an incredible weekend, wasn't it, in Le Mans? No, you know, when you're part of the MotoGP community and you see such an event, you can only be proud, happy, uh, because when you do something, you want people to recognize what you do, to like what you do, and to follow you. So I think what Claude Michy and his crew uh, did is amazing. We could see for already two decades that he knows how to organize an event uh, clearly, but um, he showed and he demonstrated in the past that even without national heroes, he could bring uh, a lot of people to the track. He could organize a really exciting event with a lot of things going around around the, the, the main event, which is uh, the, the races. But of course, when you have Fabio Quartararo, world champion, leading the championship, and Joan Zarco capable to be on the podium every weekend and eventually winning a, a race, this is the you know the strawberry on the cake, as we say uh, as we say in French. And um, <laughs> you know, blessed, blessed by the weather, which is not always the case in Le Mans, everything was uh, ready for an incredible event and. Uh, and I was uh, I was uh, proud, happy to see that. Of course, you know the fact that it is in uh, in France is uh, an anecdote only, as we say in French. Because uh, you know, before being a French uh, guy, I am a MotoGP player, MotoGP team manager, as you mentioned, and this is the most important. But it's good that in some countries where the sport have been facing difficulties to find top riders, where the the, the the 
the sport is not always seen as the most important thing, especially motorsport. We managed to have 10 spectators on the Sunday. So, yeah, it was a great event. And uh, I think everybody involved, even uh, you, Fran and Elliot, we should be proud of what we've done. Absolutely, yeah. It was my first time in Le Mans. I've heard a lot of stories about Le Mans. Um, obviously, the weather normally doesn't help, but this year, I think my watch was saying on the Sunday it was like 35 degrees. I think the world fee was saying 30, so maybe it was somewhere in between. But throughout the weekend, we turned up on Thursday um, and just seeing the crowd in the paddock and in the uh, back of the pits and stuff like that was just amazing. So how much is it, if it at all, has changed? Obviously, you've been in MotoGP a long time. Have you noticed a change in the attendance at Le Mans and the French GPs? Was it is it just the Fabio and Johan effect? Because I was commenting on the Northern Talent Cup races and a lot of people were staying behind even for that. So I think the French have really um, embraced motorsport in general. Yes, and uh, MotoGP in particular. Honestly, uh, as I said before. Um, Fabio and Joanne for sure helped, but even before we had a you know French rider who could win uh, the MotoGP championship and any MotoGP race, we still have a, a, an incredible crowd. What is also impressive is on some other events you can see some crowd coming on the Friday, much more on the Saturday, and the Sunday is quite full. But from Thursday. The track was absolutely packed full. The spectators were there since, for some of them, the, the Monday. And they've been following every day, but also every single race. I was uh, before 7 a.m. on the Sunday morning part, and I was watching, and all around the track, the guys were, the spectators, were already sitting down, not moving, and waiting for the action to come. And uh, I think... Uh, um, they, they really have the passion for the races. MotoGP, of course, as the number one priority. But even, you know, the Moto3 warm-up or the last race in the Northern Talent Cup following the MotoE race, my guys in the MotoE, uh, in, the, in my MotoE team told me that it was the first time they saw so many people still there. Because after the MotoGP race, uh, in a lot of places, people are already packing and leaving back home. It's so pretty that was, amazing, that, isn't that it? Was, that was a great feeling. Yeah, it's, it's incredible to see. Obviously, I do the Moto E pit lane reporting. I've annoyed you many a time on the grid to talk to us on the live. No, you and do it yet... well, and we're happy to have you annoying <laughs> us. <Thanks>. Well, <laughs> it's obviously it's a very different class anyway because there's no noise from the bikes from the machinery but then when you also have so many people staying like you say it's not just the french world champions although obviously they've played a part in it do you think that the event is kind of a good blueprint for those places who are kind of maybe have a similar future that they could look forward to with MotoGP if you do just put all those pieces together i think so I think so, because first, uh, when we have organizer like Claude Michy, uh, as I said, the main thing, of course, spectators are coming, are the races, and the main one is the MotoGP race at the moment. But they enjoy so much being there, sharing, you know, this moment, uh, watching practices, going into the village, buying uh, T-shirts, glasses, uh, uh, hats or anything. And just, you know, 
more and more camping where they can socialize. I also noticed that from from the previous years where the crowd was quite wild, you have to face reality. Um, the trend changes changed quite a lot because I saw a lot of families, you know, couple with children, uh, very polite, uh, who knew a lot of things about uh, everything which was happening on track, who could sometimes even teach me what uh, this rider or this mechanic has been doing. So really, people who are following MotoGP deeply and uh, full respect. You know, I was there with, uh, you know, my only plus compared to anybody else. Uh, I mean, in, in the paddock was I was French, but I didn't have any French rider in any of the three classes I, I, I have. Uh, we, didn't depart, we didn't do particularly good, but they were all telling me, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you've done for the sport. Don't worry, it's going to come back. I mean, you know, that was a, a great atmosphere. And, you, and this is something that has changed also. I believe the fame or, or the support Fabio got through media, not always specialized media. I believe Canal Plus, the, you know, the TV channel who is broadcasting MotoGP in France, also helped to change a bit the audience and make it wider. And, uh, and this is what we are all targeting. And I think at the moment this is working. It's a great point because I was at PSG for the pre-event. <clears throat> excuse me <laughs> and obviously there was fans watching the training session but Fabio was also getting a lot of attention from the PSG fans I know MotoGP is obviously a massive sport still obviously not quite as big as football especially in Europe but it was great to see Fabio also getting recognized a lot by the French fans so it's a good point yes you know and this is uh, I believe what we have to carry on doing this is what uh, you know we are sharing uh, on almost uh, every Grand Prix uh, with uh, with Dorna. We know that we need to create some cross paths. I think you say something like that in between sports, in between different activities. We need to use social media more and more. But I believe um, you know our leader in uh, in France, uh, Fabio, is uh, somebody who has now uh, an audience and uh, a fame more than just motorsport you know motorsport is big because you have wrc you have formula one you have wsbk MotoGP, etc but you know it, it goes much further than that and uh, this this is this is what we want this is what valentino achieved a few years ago and still is doing you know in italy but all around the world i think mark helped a lot the you know the sport to to, to grow and uh and I believe uh, Fabio, but not only Fabio, because I think Peco, Bastianini, Alex Espargaro, you know, everybody, you know, is playing a big part of it, is more and more willing to do it. Uh, we have a new grid procedure this year where we emphasize a bit more, you know, the, 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 the moment before the start of the race. And um, we also have a growth uh, popularity and followers, uh, not only in Europe, We've been in Southeast Asia. I think South America is also uh, growing a lot. So, yeah, I think uh, we don't want to say we're doing everything perfect, but we don't do too bad. And we still have to, to carry on pushing uh, like the riders on track, like me with my company. 
Well, yeah, exactly. Couldn't have said it better, really. It's like uh, you just written a little press release there. Absolutely perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously, as well, the level of competition in the sport and kind of Meta GP itself, I don't want to name it too cynically as a product, but the whole package is an incredible thing now. It's an incredible level of competition. The grids are all packed with such a high level of talent. Do you think it's never been better in terms of that on track? Because it's like there's no bad seat on the MotoGP grid. It's hard to find one on any grid in the paddock. And the riders are all so close together. The competition's so high. It's kind of a little golden era that we're in, isn't it? Yeah. If there is no bad seat, please have a word with my riders. Um, <laughs> no, this is just a small parenthesis. Uh, but I agree with what you said. There is no bad seat. Um, for me, the competition, you know, we, we didn't have six manufacturers uh, some years ago. The fact that we have six manufacturers is a sign of, you know, how interesting and, uh, you, you know, MotoGP is for the manufacturers. The six manufacturers have a winning bag. Four of them have been winning since the beginning of the year. But I think in the past two years, the six of them have been winning. This is also thanks to our technical rule, where we've been pushing for single tire support, where we've been pushing for single ECU, which is very important. Also, this is uh, the result of what we took, the measures we took to help the manufacturer that are joining the championship with what we call concession. This has been working when Suzuki came back. This has worked with KTM. This is now working with Aprilia, who just recently lost their concession. So clearly the sport has never been that open. The grid has never been that competitive in terms of package, which is the machine, or riders. They're all so close. Sometimes it's difficult to swallow because we are 0.6 to the fastest lap, but we are P20, P21. So you're happy because you're quite close to the best time, but also you can't tell the riders, this is great what you're doing because it is not here to be P20. But clearly the sport is very, very... Uh, competitive at the moment. Our grade is good. Uh, we still have to look for room for improvement. I have read Fabio Quartararo and Marc Marquez comments post Le Mans where they say with a nowadays bike, it's more difficult to pass. We saw Fabio following Peco the whole race in uh, Jerez. We saw Fabio following uh, Aleix Espargaro for most of the race in Le Mans. And uh, this is maybe something that we have to address to the engineers. They're talking about possibility of wings, but I think it is also due to the fact that every rider and every bike is so close to each other that if you want to pass, you are in a very high risk zone. We saw Peco and Martin in Qatar. We saw Jack and Mir in Portugal. Uh, to the fact that you are so close, to pass, you need to be extra careful because you will take extra risk. So sometimes, you know, the competitivity of the grid is maybe not helping the show, but still altogether, I think we have a, we have a great product, exciting to follow. I'm sure in Mugello, there will be a lot of passing, but I mean, we need to be open to any um, reflection, to any comment from especially the riders because they are the actors. And this is why we have the safety commission every Friday night where Carmelo, the CEO, and uh, Carlos, his son, 
are attending with all the MotoGP riders to listen to what they have to say in terms of safety on the track, but also how races are happening, uh, paddock, everything. So we are, if we want to grow, we need to keep on being together and listening to each party, especially the riders who are the stars. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And we've briefly mentioned it there, Hervé, about your riders, Remy and Raul. We've had a couple of questions in the chat as well about them. How are they getting on this year? We spoke to Remy earlier in the year, I think on Friday of Argentina GP, where we had uh, the freight issues and we caught up in them. And we asked him about the change of mindset you need to have, because obviously Remy and Raul both um, dominated Moto2 last year, winning pretty much every race on the podium. To now getting a point in Moto GP is probably considered a good result at this moment in time. So, how are they getting on? How are they feeling um, this season so far? You know, this is, uh, you know, just what I said, you know, uh, uh, Moto GP has never been that competitive. In 2017, we started with Joan Zarco, Moto2 world champion. First race, he was on pole. And first race, he led the race for eight laps before he made a mistake and crashed. Um, I remember Fabio, when he joined also the MotoGP as a rookie, he was uh, also in front. It's very difficult to achieve that. We have uh, rookies on Ducati, we have rookies on Yamaha, we have rookies on KTM, and uh, none of them has done a pole or none of them has been leading the race so far. So clearly, the, the competitive of the grid is not helping the, the rookie situation for their rookie season. They have to understand this. It is difficult, especially when you are like Remy and Raul, first and second in uh, the Moto2 Championship the, the year before. You are used to almost every race be on the front row, to go to the Parc Fermé. You are used to go to the podium almost every race, go to the Parc Fermé, to the press conference. So clearly, this is a bit of a shock uh, because even though they know and they knew it was going to be difficult, they all, they all think I'm going to do I'm going to do well. You know, and I'm going to be with the top guys, uh, you know, uh, the winter test will be enough for me to understand and learn the, the class. But this is not the case. Uh, this is quite difficult for them and for us also, because I always say, you know, a fast rider is a happy rider and is a positive rider. And uh, my my job, as well as my team job, uh, is to keep them positive, to keep them having a strong morale, to keep them believing in themselves and to keep them understanding P15, P14 sometimes is a great result. And this is not easy to swallow when you're a champion, I know. But, you know, they, they don't have the pressure to finish in the top five. Uh, the only pressure they have is learn. Do as many laps as you can. Try not to crash because you need to finish the race, see the checkered flag to have the experience of, of a race in MotoGP class, which is quite different than the other classes. Try to learn with two bikes, try to learn with a lot more things and a lot more people around you. And this is what you have to do through your rookie season. And uh, sometimes they are too impatient, but I understand, you know, they are young, they are fast, and uh, they are chasing uh, glory. And uh, P15, P17, uh, there is not too much glory. And it's difficult for them to understand that, you know, so, each rider has his own entourage, and uh, you can see the face of the entourage. You know, day one, uh, when they jump from the Moto2 to the MotoGP, they are the happiest man in the world. And a bit later, you know, uh, the, the, the face is changing. And I think it's good to be impatient, but you, don't need, you need to be not too impatient, you know, because there is a learning process. It doesn't matter how good and talented you are, 
you have to go through this learning process and if you can't do it you you are going to miss your rookie season yeah that's i think that's a good point obviously it's easy to say even to yourself i think like in your own head it's easy to think like yeah i know that it's not going to be the same as moto 2 i know this but it's still me the reality is a little bit more of a shock um but we obviously we have seen remy score points he was the first rookie to score points in qatar in that race um and it is I don't know, it seems almost like a lot of people on the outside are kind of looking sometimes, and especially this season, like, well, this is what Fabio did as a rookie, this is what Joan did as a rookie, you know, why are these guys not doing the same? But even though it's not that long ago, it's long enough ago that that level has just risen and risen and risen. And like you say, you can be tenths off, but you're suddenly in a different postcode. And those tenths, I mean, it used to be that those tenths would be sort of, you know, you'd have five times that between even first and second. And now it covers 12, 15 riders. But yeah, I can imagine it's a, it's a more difficult situation for them. But uh, also in Moto3, you uh, you have a team there. How is that different? Give me, being give me, sort of... Just give me one second to just give me one second to come back on what you say, which is really of right, and to finish finish the MotoGP. You know, <laughs> it is very you know. If you are Cartesian, as we say in French, we know one plus one means two. In our world, one plus one doesn't always means two. It is you know you need alchemy. You need something, you know, a, a very special balance sometimes. And uh, you can you can see the glass half full or half empty. And I can tell you a lot of stories that will show you the glass half empty. But I can also find you a lot of stories to make it half full. We know there are things that you can't explain. Why is Fabio the only guy who can be fast on the Yamaha? Why? Nobody can tell. Is Morbidelli, Dovizioso, you know, are they bad riders? Not at all. Not at all. They've been both of them world champion. Um, Mark was the only one who was going fast with a Honda a few years ago. Valentino, more, more, more in the past, was the only one going fast on the Yamaha. So it is very difficult to explain why. And uh, I believe this is important to understand motorsport is a team sport also. And you need to believe and to trust the people you're working with, team to rider, rider to team and engineer. We need to listen to each other. And if we want to be up there, we need to work all together and to talk, to exchange, frankly, and uh, not to be scared to say something. But we also don't want to always have the attitude that the grass is always greener next door. Because then if you start to think you're not in the right place, you're not in the right place with the right people, with the right machine, you just go down. And uh, I think this is very important, especially at this time of the season where the racing one, bam, 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 bam. You understand what I mean by bam, bam, bam. Uh, <laughs> we, need to, we, we, we need to stay focused and we need to stay strong. And we don't want to have our entourage taking us down. We don't want sometimes uh, to answer to questions from the media that we very well understand where they want to take us. And I'm not blaming the media because they're here to do, you know, to do things that are followed. And what is followed is more gossip, more silly season, blah, 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 more uh, this bike is uh, not good enough or this bike is better. Or... So we need to stay together. And uh, this is what Fabio is doing well. 
at the moment, and this is what the other champions were doing well when they were on top of the world. End of the MotoGP. <laughs> okay, so I was just going to ask you, maybe not not such a big question, but is it very different sort of running the Moto3 team to running the MotoGP team? Because it's obviously riders in a very different stage of their career. The races are quite different as well. They're a little bit crazy at times, pretty different tactics to you get in the premier class. How is it trying to no deal tactics. with them when they're, you know, 17 <laughs> and desperately trying to just give it full gas every corner? You know, I have to say that uh, I am closer to my Moto3 rider than my MotoGP rider because the MotoGP rider, you know, they have their manager, they have their uh, so many staff around them, they have experience, they've been through Moto3, Moto2, now they are MotoGP, so they have experience. They need or they think they need less human support from the team because they know what they, 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 they're doing. They think sometimes only. Uh, in Moto3... <laughs> Uh, you know, they come and uh, they are discovering uh, a new world. They are discovering what they've been uh, dreaming for a few seasons. And they are completely immature. You can see that on track, but also in the paddock. <laughs> uh, you know, and I love to work with, uh, with teenagers because I've been a teenager. And I remember, and it reminds uh, <laughs> my teenager years. And, uh, and I know how I was feeling, what I was thinking, you know. They think they are here forever. They don't know there is an end to anything. They just enjoy. They're full of testosterone. They just want to have fun. They don't understand sometimes, you know, uh, the reality of, of the life. And, um, you know, I use a lot of time the, the rock and roll expression. And they are complete rock and roll, all of them. The way, the way they live, the way they ride. And, uh, and I like to... Also, they haven't been for most of them too much at school. They don't know too much about the world except mo motorcycle racing. And I like to, you know, when we are traveling, we're traveling together because they, most of them, they don't have the driving license. And we share and I talk to them about the country where we are in, you know, the economy, the people, uh, the religion, uh, how the politics is going, uh, the landscape, uh, the climate, uh, the, 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 the global warming. Uh, uh, we talk about many different subjects. And uh, they, they, they show interest. Uh, but to go back to racing, I think uh, if you manage, you know, outside of before the race or before practice start to have such a relationship like it's the, the elder brother or, or, or the dad, and I'm the dad, maybe the granddad, um, <laughs> you enjoy a lot more because they are more like a sponge. You know, they are willing to learn because they understand they have to learn. They respect you more. And uh, yeah, and we share a lot. Um, they are they are still babies. When Denis makes a mistake, he comes in the in the box. He's in tears, but like a baby coming back from school with a bad mark. Huh? So <laughs> I like a lot. I like a lot. It's difficult to follow the race because uh, you were talking about tactic. There is no tactic. There is no strategy. Uh, sometimes you don't understand why uh, after two laps they're already trying uh, maneuvers like you do only in the last lap. But uh, no, this is, a, this is a very tough class to follow because they are all so close to each other and anybody in the top 15 can, can win a race. But um, yeah, I'm having fun to, to manage this, uh, this young guy. And uh, definitely uh, this is with these two riders that I spend most of my time, my free time. Yeah, I couldn't have put that better myself, Hervé. Moto3 is 
yeah, it's like you say, there's no taxes involved. But watching from the outside, it's like, oh, just brutal racing. But it's it's good most of the time. A little bit scary sometimes, of course, as a team manager, you're probably thinking, oh, God, here we go. But uh, yeah, just bring it back to MotoGP, I think, finally. We're going to quickly touch upon silly season. I know it's probably not something yeah. you want to talk about. I'm not going to press you on yes, yes, yes. Remy and Raul Ready. so much. Um but we've seen, I think we've seen a change this year. A lot of, a lot more patient. I was speaking to Alberto Puig in Le Mans, and he was saying how Honda are being a lot more patient. Obviously, the Suzuki news has really shaken things up. So, has there been a change this year? Because I know in previous years we've seen a lot of teams. Well, we've seen it this year too with Pekka Banyaya, but we've seen a lot of teams go in early with their. Uh, rider transfers like say getting contracts sorted now it seems like we're seven rounds in and not much has happened so as a team manager's perspective what's the Suzuki news done to the paddock let's say and yeah what's the silly season looking like at the minute ah uh, the Suzuki news I think was the bad news clearly we nobody will tell you any different I think uh it was a shock because when you are a big company like this uh, before you sign a contract, uh, I believe it's only my point of view. Uh, you should read the contract and understand the commitment is. Uh, there was already a case in the previous uh, contract, and I think uh, our uh, boss, the Dona CEO Carmelo Espeleta, explained everybody really well before signing the new 22-26, the new five years contract that are. You know, by uh, linking uh, Dorna, the promoter, with the factories and with the, uh, you, you think a lot. I think I've right decision, uh, contract from 17 to 12. Uh, they were not sure they could maybe commit themselves as a company uh, for five years to the MotoGP and they just found an agreement in MotoGP independent team, the Grazing, and they were participating. And I think. This is uh, and this was the right way. Uh, we're not so sure of what the company is going to do. I'm not a judge. I don't want to say too much, but uh, that was a shock because again, you think read, you're going to read, and a few months after the signature, decide to quit, which is uh, their decision. Uh, you know, a contract can be broken, uh, and now they are. I think. Uh, Talking to to the donor management to see how everything can be done the, in the smoothest way, the smoothest possible way. Uh, clearly, this has uh, changed a little bit the game for for the silly season and for the new contracts because uh, Suzuki have got the 2020 World Champion in there, you know, uh, as a rider. Alex Rins is a GP winner and a, and a top uh, MotoGP rider. So clearly, to have two more top riders coming into the game and knocking at almost every door, uh, change the game. But I believe, um, you know, we've done only a third of our championship. Um, the main puzzle or jigsaw uh, part is still not decided. And we know at the moment this is Fabio. Uh, it's like the musical chair, you know, at the moment, uh, everybody is still turning around. So you've got two more guys turning around with a chair, which are Alex and, uh, and Joanne. But once I think Fabio will stop, things will go quicker. Also, we know uh, Mugello, Barcelona, Sen is uh, normally the time where most of the things are clear. And uh, regarding us, you know, we, we're happy with our two rookies. 
But as I said before, it is very important to have a common desire, you know, to stay together, to believe in each other and to trust each other. So uh, we will see, you know, we will see. It is uh, a pleasure to work with Raoul and Remy, although we didn't give them yet what they were expecting. But we still have another 14 races, I believe. So there is room for improvement and maybe catch that uh, better result. In, you know. And uh, we will see. But as usual, you know, the factories will decide first. Now each independent team is very close uh, to their factory. And uh, yes, at the moment, this is, uh, this is the time of the year where we have a lot of names and, uh, and uh, we are seeing uh, what is the best uh, possibility for, you know, for the next two years. But again, every rider has the capacity to, to please us almost. But we would like, and I think I can also talk in the name of KTM, we would like to have people who understand what we do how committed we are. Never forget that KTM uh, slogan or motto, or whatever you call it, is ready to race. They are ready to race. They are ready to commit. They are not going to pull away like some of them are, are doing. And uh, But you, you need to, to stick and to believe in the strategy. You need also to understand that it's not coming in one second. You also need, as I said earlier on with uh, Fabio or even Alex Esparga on the Aprilia is doing a lot better than his teammates. So you need to, to come and uh, believe in your team, in the technical package. And you need also to show that you can be a leader, not only, you know, being negative, but also talk to the engineer, Talk to the factory eventually, go to the factory, talk to the development guys, engine, chassis, suspension, aero, everything to, to improve your package because, you know, you need a chef d'orchestre because you can have a good violinist and a good drummer, but if you don't have the right guy in front, it's a mess. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, we, we are trying to do, and I'm talking them of KTM, following the, the, the comments we receive and uh, the quality of the comment is also very important. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point. Um, and yeah, I think just in, that goes for so many different roles in the paddock as well, doesn't it? And everyone in life, just those, basically, if you could write that down and then we could sell it on tea towels, fridge magnets and make a range of merchandise, <laughs> I think it would be a very popular approach because uh, exactly. Um, but OK, thank you very much, Herve. We've taken a bit more of your time than we said we would. Sorry. Uh, so we will let you go now. But thank you very much for joining us. It was a pleasure as always. And uh, yeah, some great thoughts there. Fran, Elliot, it was a pleasure to be with you, honestly. And uh, anytime, I'm available. Perfect. Thank, thank you, you so much. Have a good one. Oh, he's gone. We, we really <laughs> yeah, dropped like that. there, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, so, okay then. That was a great conversation, wasn't it? As it always is with her. Oh, yeah, um, just, a, just a bit. <laughs> just a, wow. Okay, great reaction <laughs> there. Uh, but yeah, always, always a pleasure to talk to Herbe and always got, I don't know, it's just that attitude, isn't it? And I think he is right when he says it and he does use it a lot, that pinch of rock and roll, just keeping that soul of burning rubber more than just, <laughs> you know, too much corporate sheen on anything. It's always a pleasure to listen to. But uh, yeah, 
plenty to digest there. Let us know if you want to get in on that conversation as well. If you use the hashtag MotoGP podcast, for those who are joining us on audio or in the Twitch chat, feel free. Any reactions or questions to that? But we're also, we'll also do a little bit of a debrief of Le Mans. We've debriefed the crowd and the fans, haven't we? So, I yep. mean, there's plenty else to talk about. Again, we're back to it being eight points across the top three. Incredibly close. We've got Anea back on the top step. Aleish on the podium again. Jack Miller, impressive ride from him. Pecco fell off right after it seemed like Pecco had got through his falling off for the year. A bit of a crazy one from Le Mans. Yeah, a lot to digest. Um, I mean, Anea again, just doing what Anea does. Three podiums this year, three wins, and he just looks so cool, calm and collected, doesn't he? Didn't like look like putting a foot wrong, got a good start from the second row, and was just patient and just hung in behind Miller and Pecco and made his moves. And yeah, we don't see Pecco fold like that too much, do we? I, Aragon with Mark um, and obviously Jerez with Fabio stick out as Pecos leading from the front, knowing one of your main rivals is right behind you the whole race. Um, but as soon as he saw Anea come past, we saw him run wide into turn eight. Um, and then a few corners later, he's on the deck. So, yeah, very surprising. But, I mean, Anea, yeah, I think, is he the title favourite? Difficult to say. He's won three races and no one else has won more than one yet. Um, I know Fabio and Aleix are still ahead of him in the championship, but that Ducati GP21 is singing, let's say. I know it's it's a proven package from last year. We've mentioned it before, but NA has got it hooked up. And when he's performing like he does like that, it's very difficult to stop him as the riders have found out. Yeah, it is for sure. I mean, this season, obviously, one of the standout performances of the year, so performers, I should say, of the year so far. Um, and I think, I don't know, a few people like outside seem a little bit surprised. I'm not overly surprised. It's like, I I keep banging on about it, but because at the time, I also found it equally as charming. And it only gets more and more charming the more and more success he has in MetaGP. When before that Moto2 uh, final round, deciding the championship, he was basically like, yeah, I decided to take it seriously this year. <laughs> and I just think it's really great because it's like, he did have that like more fun kind of, I don't know, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't that kind of, okay, we've got to make a champion from the first day and there steps in the paddock in a good way, in a lot of ways, because it kept that kind of, yeah, again, that like pinch of rock and roll. But now he is taking it seriously and he's managing to take it seriously at the same time as retaining his character <laughs> and everything else that makes him great. So it's great to see that. But it does, like we we're talking about silly season with Hervé, it makes for an interesting Ducati conundrum for an entire third of the grid, doesn't it? With uh, Peco, Jack Miller, Jorge Martin having a tough one, Zarco already a proven quality rider on several different machines as well, and then the Beast. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. But it's just great to see kind of that kind of old school, like self-made, like, okay, I'll knuckle down now and then just reveal this incredible talent so often as well, I think is very impressive. So, I don't know, there's there's lots more to talk about, isn't there, from France. Aleish, obviously, we've given Aprilia a lot of love this year, which is fully deserved. Mm -hmm. What more can you say? They're still, you know, they've lost those concessions now. They're fully 
just duking it out the front every weekend. No wrong manufacturer, pun intended. Really impressive stuff from them. You know, like in the early few races before we get back to Europe, everyone's always a little bit nervous of calling anything too early in the season and seeing how things pan out. But for Aprilia, it's just going from strength to strength, isn't it? It's, it's really impressive from them and from Aleish. Yeah, I mean, if anyone had any doubts about Aleish and Aprilia, I think they should have been vanished by now. And if you still have doubts, then not sure what you're thinking because Aleish for me <laughs> is a title contender. Um, and Aprilia have got one of the best bikes on the grid. And I think I think Le Mans was a telltale sign because he had the home favourite, the reigning world champion, Fabio Quattararo, breathing down his neck in the last few laps um, and didn't buckle. Looked super calm, super cool, and brought it home for his third straight podium. That's four podiums now, isn't it? Including his win in Argentina. Um, second in the championship, seven rounds in. Yeah, not much more to say about Alation and Pretty. They are they're here to stay at the top, I think, for at least this season and beyond. Um so yeah, Alation for me, title contender for sure, and it was just another showing of how brilliant they are this season, how strong they are. Um because it was very easy to crash. Obviously we saw Peko go down, we saw Joan Mir go down in the league group, so that obviously helped Alash get onto the podium, but um to come first first you must finish is the saying or something like that anyway so yeah i mean just impressive that's all you can say really from Alesh especially and aprilia so yeah it's going to be interesting from here on i think they've proved they can go well at literally any track so i think Magello next time out they're not short on top speed and they're not short on corner speed so i think we're going to see Aleish challenging for the podium again in Magello. So, yeah, Aleish and Aprilia are here to stay and it's it's good to see. It is for sure, yeah, absolutely. And after, it's been quite a, I mean, when everyone's like, oh, it's such a long road to the top, it kind of implies it's been like 40 years or something. Um, <laughs> it's not really even quite as long as sort of Ducati has taken to build themselves up to the very top, you know, with Dovi and where they started was it 2013, 14, and then bringing it back to the bike that it is now, which is arguably the best on the grid, although that phrase fits for a couple. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's you know it's been a it's been a hard road, but it's been a very impressive turnaround, and certainly we saw steps forward consistently. But the leap from last year to this year is really impressive with Aprilia. So yeah, I'm excited to see what they can do at Magello because, like you said, they're not short on top speed. I'm excited to see the inline fours take on the rest of the track and then see what happens on the main straight because <laughs> we've seen Alex Rins shining in how to keep up when you're in a very different type of motorcycle a couple of years ago, didn't we? He was getting so close to those guys on the Ducatis and the Honda and it was Mark at that final corner and then just, yeah, watching them slightly gain down that main straight <laughs> and then doing all the hard work again around the corners. But Magello should be another spectacular one. And uh, yeah, we'll have to see, won't we? And we did do a poll in the chat, if you're joining us live on Twitch. Uh, and it was, who do you think will be the championship leader going into summer break? So our options that we gave the guys in the chat here live were Fabio, Aleish or Anea or other. Who is the winner? Mr. York. Well, Fabio with over fifth, well, fifty-three percent, um, over fifty percent of the vote. Um, 
I'm not sure I agree. I'm not sure I agree. Um, Ooh, I, I'm really looking forward to Magello because obviously Fabio won there last year quite easily. Um, so the Amahara obviously works well around there and Fabio goes well around there. But I'm just intrigued about that long straight. Um, I think they've got a bit more of a deficit this year. Um, as we've seen in Qatar and other places, yeah, Fabio has struggled more. Yamaha have struggled more. So I expect they've got a little bit more at Mugello. Um Yeah, I'd, I think it's probably Here's between pick, those then. three. Yeah, I'm rambling on a bit there, aren't I? I I'm going to stick my neck out and go Alace, you know, because I just think that Aprilia is working absolutely everywhere. Um, and for him to hold off Fabio like that, I know Perve mentioned it there and I've seen obviously a few of the reports about the riders saying it's more difficult to overtake, which is obviously true. So I think in years gone by, Fabio might have been able to get by him because he did look like he had a little bit extra pace, but just couldn't find a way through. But it, nevertheless, for Elish to hold Fabio off at Le Mans in front of 110,000 screaming French fans, the pressure that must have felt. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bigger, prettier fan and big, bigger Leish fan. Um, but then again, Anea Bassini's on four mini. So, but I'll, I'll, I'll go Elish just to say one. But it could be any of them three, okay. really, couldn't it? Or someone else. What do you think? Well, I mean, looking at the races, what have we got left now? Magello, Catalonia, Assen, Germany, Finland, right? I'm not missing one. Yeah. So, <clears throat> Assen, you probably say Fabio's got a good shot at that. Catalonia, we've seen Fabio be super strong. Germany yeah. is going to be a really intriguing weekend with Mark Marquez on a very different Honda. Mm. Um, Finland, we don't really know. It could be absolutely, yeah, you know, something completely different. But I don't know, Magello. I, I'm gonna, I am gonna go Fabio. I'm gonna go with the 53% okay. there um, on this particular vote. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Fabio. Uh, I think there's some good tracks coming up. And he is, what he said as well in a few press conferences this year and in other interviews as well, is that he's going to fight for ninth like it's the race win every single weekend. And I think he's yeah. really been true to that so far. And there's been no single moment where you've seen him just kind of have that like, uh kind of moment of deflation. Like everything's coming back, like this is what I need. Everything's like, well, this is what I did and it was the absolute maximum that I could. It's a very different person to the one we saw fighting for the title in 2020, for example, when it suddenly all went a little bit off the boil in various different ways. Um, and I don't know, Anea seems like a different character, but Aleish certainly has never been in this situation before. So I think that's going to be an interesting one as we do go through towards summer and we kind of tick those races off. But uh, yeah, so I'm, I will go Fabio. We'll see if we we're wrong after that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we after probably, that, in that episode probably, after Finland, <laughs> Alex Rins or Pekka Banyaya, but yeah, I think I think also with the lace, they've he said he's just enjoying the moment. He's never been in this situation like you're saying. He's just he's absolutely loving life. There's no pressure on him or Aprilia to win the title. They're just they found themselves in this situation. They've worked so hard for it. They're just going to enjoy it. Whereas I think obviously Fabio's got the pressure of being the reigning world champion. Obviously Yamaha's a huge manufacturer, many, many titles in the past. So there's that added little pressure on them. Whereas Aleish has just not got any pressure at all. I'm not saying he's going to win the thing, 
because I don't think he will. Um, but he's going to be there or thereabouts the whole year. And obviously with Ducati, they've got the pressure of not winning the Riders' Championship since Stoner in 2007. So I don't know. To be fair, Enea hasn't got that pressure because it's not really on him to for Ducati. Enea is just obviously in Grassini and also enjoying life and just producing performances like we saw in Le Mans and just winning races and doing all he can to try and get that elusive factory seat. Um, and touching on that, I think Miller did also a fantastic job um, to finish second. The riders saying, I think it was uh, the three riders on the podium where our cameras picked up saying it was so easy to crash. We saw that all weekend, despite it being glorious weather in Le Mans. Um a lot of riders were crashing and saying it was very easy to crash. So I think Jack Miller did a fantastic job as well. Um, he's now the lead GP22 rider in the championship, which is um, very impressive stuff from the Aussie. And obviously there's a lot of noise around who's taken that Ducati seat. And Hervé mentioned it, the silly season this year has been shaken up by obviously Suzuki's announcement. So yeah, for Jack to do that with a little bit of pressure on his shoulders, maybe um, obviously People are saying Jorge Martin versus Bastini for his seat, but Jack's putting up a good fight to keep that seat as well. So, yeah, uh, good job from the podium finishers and Fabio to finish fourth. He would have been disappointed. You could tell he was disappointed, obviously, home GP, 110,000 French fans cheering on your name. I think qualifying in the bad start hampered him. But, yeah, a good weekend all round. It was, it was for sure. And an interesting one, like you said, there's lots to talk about. And Magello will be again as well. Thank you very much to everyone joining us. I realised we missed a question in the chat earlier that was probably for Hervé, and I'm sorry. What can we do to work in MotoGP when you're a young woman engineer? This is quite a theme of the last two days uh, in uh, my life. I would say... (laughs) Exactly the same as anyone who wants to work in MotoGP as an engineer and believe in yourself more than anyone else will uh, ever do. Like Hervé's advice in general, that belief, that mixture, just go for it. Sorry that I'm not the man himself answering the question, but just to say, (laughs) sorry, we accidentally ignored that question and go for it. Ali, Ali. So that's all from us for this week. And thank you very much for joining us. If you are live on Twitch with us, if you're not, thanks very much for joining us in audio format. Use the hashtag MotoGP podcast to get in touch with any thoughts, questions, queries, complaints. Be kind. Hashtag. And uh, yeah, we'll see you again soon after Magello for another debrief. And uh, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, guys. See you later.